Welcome to the Living to Thrive with Cancer podcast, a podcast about the big and little issues that come with living with cancer. I'm Catherine White, a stage four colon cancer thriver, passionate about supporting others who have faced a cancer diagnosis and are looking to feel empowered in taking back control of their health and happiness. My own health scare helped me to learn more about myself and how to live with cancer, and it led me to become a cancer support coach so I can help others through the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and all the crazy things that come with life with cancer. So let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. Today is episode 1.11 of the Living to Thrive with Cancer podcast. Today I'm sharing some thoughts on the topic of food, nutrition, and cancer. This is always a big question that comes up in my coaching program and for myself. So I want to talk about why nutrition is important, your ideal physical terrain, why there's no one diet for cancer patients, and the relationship between food and the friends that want to help you. So let's dive right into the nutrition piece. I want to start by giving you a little background on my awareness of nutrition and why I'm so passionate about it for people living with cancer and as a prevention tool for everyone else. Prior to getting cancer, I never put a whole lot of thought into the impact of food on the body, specifically on a cellular level. I now know that this was important, especially because my dad had died of colon cancer, but that was never discussed with me. Food, and in fact, lifestyle in general, never came up when we were having conversations around early screening. Like that was it, early screening, but nothing else. So my family ate like what I think most families eat like. Most meals were homemade in some way, shape, or form. There were a number of convenience foods involved, boxed, canned, and highly processed. I did the drive-throughs for myself and my kids when things felt hectic. Convenience was the easy answer. What I thought was important was that we were eating. Fill the void, happy kids. But when I was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer in 2015, again, food and lifestyle were never really a conversation. Do you see where I'm going here? I would have thought that my medical team would have put me on a food plan, a stress management plan, a movement plan, but they didn't. They put me on a surgery, chemo, and appointment plan. So when I asked, well, what should I eat? I was told, whatever you can keep down. What? This made no sense to me. I wasn't having trouble with food. Yeah, things tasted a little off and some things I didn't prefer to have. And what I was told was never eat the things that you really, really love when you're in chemo because you may end up not loving them afterwards. But nobody talked about really what I should have been eating. And somewhere inside of me, my instincts were starting to knock on my door and hint that maybe I should be thinking about eating more than mashed potatoes and whatever tasted good that day. It wasn't until I reached out to a friend of a friend that food actually became a topic in my cancer regime. She had also had stage four colon cancer and did dive into food as a source of healing. She recommended green juicing and a vegan diet. Now, these were foreign concepts to me, but I was willing to give it a go because I wanted to be as healthy as I could and quite honestly, I wanted to make it through stage four cancer. So late in 2015, when I was pretty much done treatment, I was really close to the end, I started to dabble in these areas and think about what can I be doing that's going to support my body. Now, my sons were teenagers at the time, so you can imagine how well it went when they received the news that we were going vegan. Not so much. 
But to their credit, and to the credit of my husband and myself, we gave it the good old college try. We really thought that this would be the best thing for us. It wasn't for lots of reasons, but we tried. Now we did find that juicing was sustainable for us, but vegan just really wasn't. No judgment, no nothing. We just slowly drifted towards vegetarian and eventually pescatarian because I love me some fresh fish. And in the end, what I discovered was that I needed to learn more about food and the role it plays in our health and our healing. In 2017, I signed up for the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program through the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. And this is where my mind was completely blown. This is where I came to understand that food plays such a critical role in our health before, during, and after a health crisis. My mission became to share what I'd learned with everyone that I could get my hands on. I became that girl that was talking about food all of the time. I was running workshops about food. I thought everybody needed to know. Not in an obnoxious way, in my opinion. Maybe people thought I was a little bit off, but really food had become what I was going to invest my energy in for my own healing. So this is where we really shifted how we ate at our house. Our regimen, if you want to call it that, became reduced sugar. And now for me, it's almost no sugar except for natural sugars, anti-inflammatory foods, fresh local produce, clean meats as local as possible, and no dairy because I'm lactose intolerant anyway, but we stopped buying milk and stopped having dairy in our house and the boys adopted that policy and lifestyle and still live that way now. I became more gluten aware and reduced gluten in my diet and home cooked meals became a real staple in our house because then I could control what I was eating. And honestly, if you have cancer, you know that control becomes a big issue when all of your control is taken away. So I wanted to control what I could and food was super easy to control. It would be super easy for you to control too once you have a little bit of an understanding of what you can and cannot, what you maybe should and should not be eating. You can take back a little bit of control in this area, my friends. So what was interesting was the pushback from other people. Somehow, my passion, as I said, I became super passionate about this. My passion for nurturing my health and healing and my family became a sore spot for other people and a source of a lot of eye rolling when I said I wouldn't eat certain things. Did I feel judged? Absolutely. A lot. But this isn't other people's story. This was my story and I had to do what I had to do and I knew that food was the first step in my healing process. So all of that to say, nutrition matters. When I took my holistic cancer coaching certification, I was so happy to see that a really huge part of the education was around nutrition and lifestyle. That's when I knew that I was in the right place and I was doing the right thing. Friends, nutrition is so important when you have cancer. When you are in treatment, when you are getting ready for surgery, when you are post-surgery, when you are post-treatment, when you are weeks, months, and even years out from your diagnosis, nutrition is so important. Everything you put in your body is meant to support your cellular health. How can you support yourself? 
when you're feeding your body foods that aren't natural and are full of chemicals. Just think about that. Now, I'm a strong proponent of eating in a healthy style that works for you. Sometimes you may need to eat certain foods to support yourself for a specific purpose. Like my client Julie was actually told to eat a keto diet by her surgeon in preparation for her colon and liver surgery, which first of all blew me away that that was even a conversation. But I was super impressed and I was super pleased to be able to do that with her. So together, we created a few keto meal plans that she was able to follow up to the few weeks before her surgery. Then we switched her over to a whole foods plant-based meal plan. Post-surgery, we created meal plans that were anti-inflammatory, nutrition dense, immune system boosting, and easily digested because her internal organs had just gone through a huge traumatic event. It needed to be simple, Her husband needed to be able to make these recipes without having to stress about it because he was so busy taking care of her and her body needed to be able to digest and absorb the nutrients in the food. Her body needed support and food was a significant way to support it. So let's go back and talk about those pieces that I mentioned in how we created Julie's diet. Anti-inflammatory. Cancer is an inflammatory disease. So it makes sense to reduce chronic inflammation in the body by feeding it foods that will do just that. Foods like berries, blueberries, strawberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Organic is best if you can, but otherwise give them a really good rinse. Cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and Brussels sprouts, legumes like beans and peas and lentils, even herbs and spices like turmeric and ginger, and fatty fish like salmon, trout, and herring. These foods are just the tip of the iceberg of how you can support yourself. Nutrition-dense foods make sense when you are living with cancer. Particularly, they make sense in preparation for surgery and treatment and after the fact. Think of your body like that, that science periodic table you learned about maybe in grade 9 science. We are like a periodic table. We're made up of minerals like magnesium and calcium, and we need vitamins like all of the vitamins, A, B, C, D, E, and the K vitamins that are super supportive of our cellular health. We are a natural being, not a chemistry lab being. We use these vitamins and minerals up on the daily, so they need to be replaced. And this actually goes hand in hand with boosting the immune system, which is a critical piece when you're living with cancer. We want that strong immune system. When we load ourselves up with whole foods that are nutrient dense, we are preparing our bodies for health. We're giving them a strong chance to go into a situation front loaded rather than waiting to fix it all after the fact. And this is why when people ask me when they should start coaching, thinking that it would be better to rehabilitate themselves after the medical stuff is done and then get started, I tell them that they should start as soon as they can. So think about it this way. Would you wait to start servicing your car after you've taken it on a cross-country road trip for thousands of miles or kilometers, or would you check it over and top up all the oils and fluids and the air and the tires, all of the things you need to do, before you even hit the road. Your body is no different. 
waiting actually puts it at a bit of a disadvantage because it needs all of that good stuff in preparation, not when it's all done. Now, your immune system. Your immune system takes a hit while the cancer is growing, while you're in treatment, while you're on medication. It needs you to help it out. It is crying out for you to help it out. You just might not be hearing it. So let's just take a step back for a second here. If you're sitting there thinking, oh my God, I had no idea. I've done everything wrong. I didn't support myself soon enough. I'm going to tell you, just stop. Nothing has gone wrong here. You have done the best that you could with what you have, and it's never too late to get started. The last piece around this that I want to share goes back to that comment I was told about eating whatever I could keep down. Some foods are easier to digest and to eat when you're living with cancer. During cancer, you may have some specific nutritional needs that can be addressed. You may need softer foods, foods that don't irritate your digestion, foods that support organ and tissue healing. After cancer, you may have some digestive issues and changes, whether it's from surgeries or from changes to your gut microbiome. All of this is manageable and it doesn't have to be hard. You just might need some help figuring it out. What you definitely want to be aware of is what not to eat when you have cancer. And really, let's just be honest, what not to eat ever. Like if we could all get some serious nutrition education, maybe prevention would be the key. But if you are living with cancer right now, it's not too late to get started. So let's talk about what not to eat. This has to do with your ideal physical terrain, the state of your body, what state you want your body to be in as soon as you become aware that some changes may be in order. Now I mentioned inflammation. This is one of the top causes of disease, many diseases in our society. Everything from heart disease to autoimmune disease to metabolic disease to cancer. So I'm just going to invite you to be gentle with yourself here. You don't know what you don't know, but let me offer this. Once you do know, wouldn't you want to do everything you could to make changes to your health, to help yourself? So let's start by talking about the anti-inflammatory foods that I mentioned earlier. This is a great place to start. So here's the biggie. Now take a seat if you need to, what I'm going to tell you is get off sugar. It is literally killing us. It is highly inflammatory, has no nutritional value, is causing an obesity crisis in adults and children. It's wrecking havoc on your pancreas, your liver, your blood sugar, and more. It is causing the growth of bad bacteria in your gut, in your stomach, that is overtaking the good bacteria that we need to support our health and the health systems in our body. You need to get off sugar. Start by reducing it, make some simple changes, one little thing at a time, or just go cold turkey. Just cut out the refined sugars. Maple syrup is fine, honey is fine, but the white processed sugars, the brown sugar, all of that stuff is not supporting your health. And where are you finding it? in the pop or soda that you're drinking, in the candy that you're chewing on or sucking on, 
in processed cakes and cookies and sweet treats, in chocolate bars, in ketchup, in mustard, in mayonnaise, in all of the things that you can buy on the shelves at the grocery store. Do yourself a favor and flip it around and take a look on the label of how much sugar is actually in that product. That's a whole other podcast in itself on how to read labels, but you would be shocked at how much sugar is actually in the products. And they put it there to invite the taste buds to be excited so that we continue to buy the products, but they're not supporting our health. And I'm just gonna say it, the people that make the food are not concerned about our health, they're concerned about selling the product. And so all of this, all of these inflammatory foods add up. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, but I only have one pop a day, or maybe I just have a chocolate bar from from time to time. But it all adds up when you add in all those other pieces that you're also eating. And it takes a toll on your body. Supporting your body when you have cancer, and even in cancer prevention and recurrence prevention, like I've mentioned, means getting sugar out of your diet. Now, this is an interesting piece. People ask me if sugar causes cancer. And I'm not a doctor or a nurse or a nurse practitioner. I'm not a science scientist. I'm not a researcher, but I like to do my own research. I like to look at scientific articles and newsletters and whatever that talk about these things. And what I have seen personally is that there aren't enough studies to definitively prove a link between cancer and sugar. Now, some would disagree, some would argue differently, and that's the joy of being an adult, is that we can have these conversations and we can agree to disagree. But as I mentioned, sugar causes inflammation and cancer is an inflammatory disease. And in my mind, that's the point right there. Get off of the sugar to reduce the inflammation to prevent cancer or to give your body the best chance that it can have while you're going through the process. We want to create the best physical terrain in our body to support our health and healing. And processed foods and fried foods, they also do not support your health. Typically processed foods are loaded with additives and preservatives and sugar. And remember that periodic table analogy? Our bodies are made up of natural things, natural minerals, natural systems, and monosodium glutamate, glutamate, MSG, and artificial food coloring and natural flavor, which by the way, my friends, is not natural. It is a chemical additive. None of these things and so much more are part of our physical terrain. They're not part of our periodic table. So it makes sense that our body doesn't process it or doesn't know how to process it in the same way that it would whole foods. We want to decrease the toxic load on our body, not increase it. We want foods that are naturally synthesized into our body, not foods that tax our organs like the poor liver, the overworked liver that is just trying to get all the stuff out of your body to keep you healthy. We can make these choices in how we treat our bodies and what we put in our bodies so that our bodies can do what they're meant to do, which is fight off disease and try their hardest to keep us healthy. Foods that are fried are typically prepared in vegetable oils of one type or another. Hydrogenated oils are not on our periodic table. Therefore, they aren't easily synthesized into our body. 
Instead, they cause inflammation. Here we go with inflammation again. And we've already discussed what this is doing to us. So instead, things like olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, these are the better choices and they're sources of healthy fats that our bodies need. Now, I haven't even gotten into the meat conversation. Some people prefer to not eat meat, but that is absolutely a personal choice, but you still need to have healthy fats in your body. And so these oils and nuts and seeds can provide those healthy fats that you need to support your cells and your organs, especially when you're in a compromised health situation. Creating your ideal physical terrain includes whole foods, plant-based foods, and foods that are close to their natural source, as close as possible. In other words, you need to eat real food, not food made in a chemistry lab. If you're undergoing treatment, you're already in toxic load. You can help yourself by taking up the things that have chemicals and toxins in them and replace them with health building and supporting foods. Your body will thank you. So then what do you do? You're living with cancer, you're going through the medical process, and now I'm inviting you to change how and what you eat. All of the things that I've mentioned above are a great start, and I don't want you to be overwhelmed. This is a process. It takes time, a whole lot of self-love, a whole lot of patience, a whole lot of grace, a whole lot of forgiveness, but it is doable. It is possible. What's interesting about food is that it is an individual choice. What I mean is there's no one diet that is best for cancer. Everybody likes different foods, so that's a factor. Your body doesn't prefer certain foods, perhaps, like allergic reactions, so that's a factor. Your gastrointestinal system might be in disarray from chemo or radiation, so that's a factor. Your type of cancer may even require specific food choices and or specific foods that you should avoid, so that's a factor. When I work with my coaching clients, I create meal plans based around their specific needs, like right down to what will you eat and what won't you eat. And then we take a look at what they can eat and can't eat, should eat, shouldn't eat, and we integrate all of these pieces into a meal plan that serves them. So for example, colon cancer, I'm gonna gear recipes around white meats, not red meats. I'm gonna select recipes that are easy on your digestion if you've had colon surgery. Breast cancer, we look at your particular case and select foods that will support your healing. I've even created meal plans for a client with pancreatic cancer to ease the burden on her pancreas. There's a lot of pieces to consider when it comes to food choices. And having tried figuring it out on my own, I know it can be overwhelming. And what we are inclined to do, what our brain wants to do when things get hard, is tell us just to throw our hands up in the air, go back to what we know, revert to our old habits because that's safe and that's the known. But it's not in your best interest. The other pieces to food are all the amazing people who want to bring you casseroles and snacks. I love them. They're your support, they're your people. They are wanting to do whatever they can to ease your burden and help you to be healthy. But here's the thing. Well-intentioned does not equal health building. Is it emotionally supportive? Absolutely. But what is ideal is food that will build you up. 
So again, when I work with clients, I provide them recipes that they can hand out to the people who want to cook for them. Recipes that are easy to make and nutritious. Recipes that are tailored to your specific needs and likes. Recipes that fit into your health plan. I love the well-intentioned people and I really don't think that they would be offended if you said, I love so much that you want to help me. Could you make me this recipe? This is going to help me to be healthier because ultimately their goal is to support you and to help you to be healthier. So what's wrong with asking? I am so grateful for the education that I've received around food. Again, as I said, it has blown my mind. I truly believe that this piece has made all the difference in my recovery and my ability to keep moving forward, knowing that I'm doing everything I can to support myself and my health. And that's part of living with cancer is knowing that you are doing everything that you can to taking some control, to feeling empowered, to believing that every choice that you're making is either going to bring you joy and or build your health. And the two can go hand in hand. I made the decision. I chose making changes that make a difference because I want to be able to say that I did everything I can to support and sustain myself as I live with cancer. Food can make a difference. Nutrition can make a difference. You get to decide. Feeling understood and supported starts now. It starts with one call and an investment in yourself. Cancer support coaching is for individuals looking for support as you live your life with a cancer diagnosis. It is about creating tools and strategies that you can access now to create the life you deserve to live outside the doctor's office and appointments. It is for you, today and every day. The question is no longer, do you want support? The question is, have you decided to start feeling supported? Support is just one decision away. Schedule your call today and let's talk about how cancer support coaching will give you what you need outside of the medical system so that you can feel not just supported, but understood. You can find me at www.catherinewhite.coach. And friends, if you're enjoying my podcast, if you liked this episode, I would love it if you would leave a review wherever you are listening. Reviews help to spread the word, and I think that all of us can agree that the more that we can educate people on how to prevent and how to manage a cancer diagnosis, the better it will be. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day, and may you live your life to your fullest, follow your heart, and thrive in all you do.